Um, Live from the Mighty 990 Broadcast Center, it's time to wake up Memphis. And good morning, Memphis. Welcome to the morning show. Wow, we can drink our own our tap water. Never have I been more excited in my entire life. Word coming down from MOGW yesterday that the boil water advisory has been lifted into that. Hallelujah. You know, now I'm worried because I did drink it on Saturday. I woke up in the middle of the night and chugged a glass of water and promptly right after Googled, will I die from drinking tap water that was under a boil water advisory? The Shelby County Health Department said that will not happen. You might get diarrhea. That also didn't happen. So I'm a very, very blessed man on this morning. Now, we have a huge show ahead of you, and we're going to juggle multiple big stories. And we're going to do that with some great guests. Of course, on Wednesday, you guys know Joey Solopec and the guys over at FCG dropped by the studio at 820. There's some new trends that are very interesting. We're going to jump in and share them with you. Did you see the news coming out of the Granite State last night? <sighs> wow. Trump, who was expected to lose to Nikki Haley, potentially that was the last stop for the Nikki Haley campaign, or at least that's what the politicos were saying. She says she's going on to the next state, her home state of South Carolina. Well, I've got some tough news for Nikki Haley. You lost once again. So to help us break down that story, we will be joined by Trump spokeswoman Liz Harrington at 835. And then at 735, excited to have Fox News contributor Liz Peek couple different political stories we are following and she's always excellent and a friend of this morning show but first we've got to jump into the police chief cj davis she was saved last night by the memphis city council and memphis mayor paul young now she still might not be our police chief but the vote to either fire or rehire cj davis was tabled aka they saved her hide and we have all of the audio of yesterday's packed city hall meeting. I mean, I was looking at some of the images and I watched the city council meeting at like three o'clock last night. <laughs> Not good. Not good because I was watching the results come in from New Hampshire. And but I also needed to watch the city council meeting because it's big stuff, right? It could mean the future of our city. Every seat in that auditorium down at City Hall was filled. It was filled with the activists with signs of blood splattered and names of victims of crime. It also had a lot of supporters of the chief. Now, the chief, I guess, was in a pretty popular sorority. All of her sisters showed up. So emotions were running high at the city council meeting last night. Now, when I said that the vote was tabled, that means that she will be the interim chief right now. But in the words of Paul Young, the mayor here, he said, this is our chief. Take a listen to Paul Young speaking to a gaggle of reporters following the meeting. Cut 15. We're not doing a search right now. She, she is our chief. Um, it's just an interim title on it. But this is our chief. Um, and like I said up there, we're going to show and prove. Uh, we want to get results. So that is the mayor speaking right after the lack of a vote. Again, they said they came to a compromise. The city council with the Paul Young administration to save police chief C.J. Davis for now. She might go later. Now, it's very interesting because we saw a different police chief yesterday. Two weeks ago, she was a little arrogant. C.J. Davis, she was. She threw the officers under the bus. She threw Jim Strickland, the former Memphis mayor, under the bus. 
And she threw some on the city council under the bus. That was not the tone of C.J. Davis. Take a listen to her speaking to reporters right after the tabling of that vote. I love this community. And I've served two and a half years from my heart to this community. And I plan to continue to do that. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, but this community is willing to help us get the work done. So um, I'm overwhelmed. She did seem emotional. So how it went was J.B. Smiley, the vice chair of the city council, he got up kind of teed up what they were doing in the agenda and the couple different items they were working through in yesterday's city council meeting. But he premised all of this by saying he understands that there is a struggle between city council and the mayor's office. And you have to go back to the last administration of Jim Strickland. Jim Strickland, he got what he wanted. If he had a recommendation of who he wanted in a seat, the city council had to follow. And that was really because Martavius Jones, even though he's a radical progressive, he worked with Jim Strickland and he's also weak. Now, J.B. Smiley, he's young. He's got pep in his step. He's a little arrogant. And he says, I understand we are jaded from the last administration. That is why they are not rubber stamping Paul Young's every pick. They're not doing that. They're not playing the game. And you have to think, C.J. Davis was... Strickland's diversity hire. They want the new mayor wants to keep her. The new city council, which looks a lot different than the last one, they're not just greenlighting everything he wants. Take a listen to JB Smiley setting the scene ahead of Paul Young speaking. Then the police chief spoke at yesterday's 3:30 city council meeting, cut 21. The I received a call from Pastor Keith Norman, a call from Pastor Earl Fisher asking me to figure out what's the compromise. They also asked me to figure out if my lens was jaded. And one of the things that I will recognize um, before I, before anybody uh, is when my lens is jaded. And I will be direct with everyone in this room. Um, I believe that this council And I believe that my lens was jaded because the way that this body was treated by the previous administration. But that is no fault to Mayor Young. It's not necessarily a fault to Chief C.J. Davis. What What we are called to do as people who put ourselves up to serve the city of Memphis, because I believe that this body tries every day to figure out how we put the people in the best positions possible. So there is the recognition that we are upset at how we've been treating as the city council and we will not be bullied or threatened by this new administration. So there's a power play going on right now. I'd like to think it's because the city council has common sense. It's not that. It's power. It's their egos. Unfortunately, which again, if it holds up C.J. Davis's placement to be reappointed as our police chief maybe that's a good thing maybe egos getting in the way isn't a bad thing because we polled you guys yesterday and our polling and our survey blew up on social media like 400 of you guys voted in that and overwhelmingly you guys voted that she needs to be fired and i pulled some of your comments because i think the city needs to listen to our listeners 
Now, they listen to some of the activists downtown. My gosh, decarcerate Memphis. Those folks, the radicals in our city, I, I'm telling you, they don't have jobs. I, I can't say that for a matter. But no, listen, every city council meeting, they are there and they are screaming about how cops are racist. How C.J. Davis, a black woman, is a racist. Make it make sense. It doesn't. So Eric writes this. Police Chief C.J. Davis is getting paid more than the mayor. She's done a poor job and she should be fired. But this is a cowardly city council and a vote to keep her. Well, they tabled that vote and she is our interim chief. What does that mean? She's going to be our police chief. I'm telling you that right now. Mike writes this. She was an incompetent, unqualified three-time loser before we hired her. Darren adding this to KWAM. Quote, it doesn't matter. The police chief is going to do what the liberal mob wants. Sarah wrote this into us. The new Memphis mayor wants her. I hope he is outvoted by the city council. I don't care if you are black, white, or pink. If you're not doing your job, it is time to go. Same for Wanda Halbert. Now, let's take a listen to Paul Young. This was some of his remarks. It was about three minutes long. Then he passed the podium to police chief C.J. Davis She spoke to the city council and the supporters and opponents of her behind her. Her remarks were under a minute long. I didn't pull those because it was very brief. Now, here is how Memphis Mayor Paul Young described why he is going to keep C.J. Davis and the compromise that took place. Cut 20. It's on all of us. So I want all of us to understand it's not on her. It's on every. Relax, relax, relax. Okay, I, I would I would ask that we we give the mayor an opportunity. It's on all of us to ensure that we're keeping our community safe. Public safety is not just law enforcement. Public safety is all the components. The police can only respond to the crime. We need to be intervening. We need to be preventing crime before it happens. And all of us in this room agree. And so what I want to do is show and prove. That's what we're going to do in this community. And I want to thank you, City Council, for agreeing to partner. Like I said earlier, this is a partnership. We got to do this together. This is a us thing. This is a Memphis thing. We're going to do it together. She needs to go. That's the reality. Sweet lady, I've met her multiple times. Todd's done barbecue with the police chief. That's not working. We don't have the luxury of niceties. And right now, it feels like we're saving her and her ego. At the cost of you, the taxpayer, $280,000 a year. What? Can I be the police chief? I mean, genuinely, we're paying her so much money every single every single year. Her number one job is to keep you safe. And crime has ridden, st- risen steadily, excuse me, under her watch. But we're going to table the vote. There is no timeline. Let me be very clear when we'll bring that vote back to the council. She's ours. And how do you feel about it? Want to hear from you guys. 901-260-5926. Number again, 901-260-5926. More audio on the other side. Because the mayor got in some trouble because he was speaking to a gaggle of reporters after the meeting and he said, listen, and I've got the quote, we are in a crisis right now. I recognize that. Not just the reality of crime, but the perception of crime. Oh, 
It's a perception of crime? You must be kidding. We'll have that story on the other side. Don't go away. Traffic now on the Mighty 990 KWAM, brought to you by Special Things Antiques and Estate Jewelry. Good morning. We had some power lines down a little bit earlier there in the area of Riverdale uh, near State Line Road. Give yourself a little bit of extra travel time out here. Standing water on main and secondary arteries. Traffic's on the increase down 385. Bill Morris Parkway coming inbound from Collierville all the way up to 240. Hey, 24-7 reliable crane and rigging services right here in Memphis. It's Tomahawk Crane and Rigging. Check them out today online at Tomahawk crane.com i'm commander chuck with your on-time traffic the mighty 990 a.m the beauty of nature and art come together at palladio garden 2215 central avenue in midtown memphis explore the outdoors in a walkthrough experience through palladio's courtyard pavilion and garden showroom enjoy lush colorful plant life ornate fountains of all shapes and sizes and lovely garden decor to add that finishing touch to your home oasis then visit the showrooms at palladio home or enjoy lunch at cafe palladio next door palladio garden located at 2215 central avenue in midtown memphis Hi, this is Todd Stearns, and I want to update you on my Calitrin journey. I'm still losing weight, I'm also sleeping a lot better, and I've got a lot more energy. Calitrin really is about more than just weight loss. Here's my good friend Elizabeth from Calitrin. Yes, y'all, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So with Calitrin, make the small change to your daily routine. It's once a day, right at bedtime. It's going to help you rev up your metabolism so you can feel better, look better. You're going to be losing inches and losing pounds. And then, of course, it's great for the side benefits, too, like the sleep and the joint pain, the natural energy. So make that decision to do it for yourself today. Check out our website, toploss.com. We've got a big sale with $10 off every single bottle. That's toploss.com, T-O-P-L-O-S-S.com, or call us 833-TOP-LOSS. And be sure to use that discount code, Todd. Look out. What? Oh, I thought that ceiling towel was about to fall on you. Yeah, that needs to be fixed. Call Enviro USA. Isn't it hot in here? Yeah, I think it is. Usually too cold in the winter, too. Call Enviro USA. Have you noticed all the spots in the carpet lately? Yeah, they are ugly. We need the carpets clean. Call Enviro USA. Toilet in the men's room is leaking again. We have to get that fixed right this time. And have our cleaners been showing up at all? Things do need cleaning. Call Enviro USA. Enviro USA has been providing commercial building services for almost 30 years. And we know how to take care of your building so you don't have to. Isn't that right, Gabe? That's right, Grandpa. So when you have a need of any kind in a commercial building, who should they call? Enviro USA. That's right, Enviro USA. We make building care easy. Check out the weather anytime at Mighty990.com. said pour yourself some water pour yourself some wine pour yourself a beer we're celebrating across the city of memphis this morning not only because we can drink tap water but it's not snowing it's not raining down sleet ice very thankful for that i know we are expected to get rain again today we got a lot of it yesterday it's just nasty outside but i will never take drinking water for granted again 
Sometimes you need to be reminded about the essentials that we often do take for granted and be thankful for them. So you guys know, as we told you just a couple minutes ago, MLGW lifting that water boil advisory that we were all under for a couple days. Here is Doug McGowan on and giving a little bit of an update on the post winter storm analysis, how they performed. I want you to take a listen to this. We also talked about these are historic storms. So every time we get Arctic temperature, should we just expect this to happen? Well, I do want to give some context. We've had three boil water advisories in MLGW's history. Those have all been pretty recent, They've right? all been recent in the last two years. So, and that is a, a direct result of the number of water main breaks that we saw. And they've all been very recent in North America. And three of them recently affected the deep south. So uh, it is a function of the weather um, and the impact. And it's also a function, some folks have asked, well, some of the adjacent communities didn't have that. Well, our infrastructure dates back to the 1930s. All right. So that is the update coming from MOGW, right? Did you hear in that audio? We've been under a boil water advisory now three times in like the last two years. And I guess it had never happened until recently. And they're telling us that we are going to burn up our world if we do not start driving Teslas because of the quote unquote climate crisis. Well, here in the Mid-South, we are debunking that every single year. So my advice to the city of Memphis, to MLGW, is these storms are becoming the norm, not the exception. I understand the region that we're sitting. No, we get snowstorms and ice storms. And frankly, I never want to take a bath again. And I had to take a bath because of you guys. And you know how I feel about baths. Real men don't take baths. Okay. So the infrastructure going forward, how are they going to prevent this from ever happening again? I want you to take a listen to this in Cut 13. We are taking action. We added 12 new wells just in the last four years. We're going to add eight more this coming year to increase our production so that we can overcome some of these challenges. So if you turn on your faucet this morning and it looks like poo-poo water, you want to flush that multiple times. Genuinely, these are the tips that the company is sending out to you, the customers of MOGW. Number one, turn on the main water valve if it's been closed. Flush any faucet a minimum of two minutes to ensure clearing of the line serving the faucet. Begin with the faucet that is highest up in your home or building and then open the other. Discard any ice made during the boil water notice. Check water filters and faucets, refrigerators, and elsewhere. Replace if necessary. And then they say if your water is discolored, if it does look like rust, Customers should flush water pipes by running the water until it is clear. They're also advising customers they should not wash their clothes if that water is discolored. That does make sense. Wait until the water runs clear at the top before you wash your clothes first. Oh, they're also telling us to remind you guys, start with the dark load, (laughs) not your whites, because it might not turn out white. Moving on and back to the city council. Because a lot of people were very perturbed and and naturally so that the mayor would say that this is a perception of crime. Now, I think both can be true, that there is the reality of crime and then the perception of crime. But the perception comes because crime is so real. I was downtown Saturday and I was on South Main Street and I checked into a local business. They had a sale and I walked up to the counter and I said, how are things going? And she said, they've been rough here in downtown Memphis. And they were because the building right beside theirs, the front of the store got smashed 
by a hooligan on a Friday night. Just walk by, throw a brick through the front door, and this business, which doubles as a gift shop and a coffee store, they've been the victims of these these break-ins multiple times at this point. She said, you know, I, I'm a local. I grew up in this city. And I think every single day, how long am I going to last in this city? Because it's one thing if the cars are being stolen off of our streets. It's one thing if you have to have your head on a swivel at a gas station. I mean, is that normal? Is that really how Americans should live? I mean, this is our country. This is not Baghdad. But she said, the scariest thing is how many bodies are stacking up in downtown Memphis. And she pointed out a couple different areas while we were standing there where a female was shot. The St. Jude doctor was shot. She's like, what is going on? So it is not a perception, Mr. Mayor. It is a reality. And you guys certainly agreed with that because I pulled some of your comments when those words were were spoken. And I have those here. Give me one second. Let me pull up my show notes. Lisa writes this. Perception? What should we pretend? It's not there or should join in the fun to see if it's not as bad as we think the crime is? Cindy said this, responding to those comments. Sounds like the same rhetoric they had with the president of Harvard. She's referring to Harvard University. Well said. Alex Jones, which I don't know, is Alex Jones a listener of our show? Or is this like his pen name? Publius. He says, remember this, if Frank Colvett, oh, this is interesting. If Frank Colvett had not dropped out of the race at the last minute, giving no other Republican a chance to run, we might have a Republican mayor. Hmm. Some would deem that Alex Jones as a controversial thing to say, but Alex Jones doesn't run from a controversy, does he? Kim says, I can't wait to them. I can't wait for them to show and prove and tell us our perceptions need to change. So Kim watched the city council meeting or maybe Kim was there herself. Paul Young kept on saying this line. We are going to show and prove. We are going to show that the police chief can work, that she is the right lady for the job. I want you to take a listen to this last audio we just sent over. Take a listen. Because we know we had an intense meeting last time. There was a lot of uh, dialogue around uh, some of the opinions and things in the community. And like I said at that meeting, I live in this community too. I'm an elected official, so I've heard all of the same voices, um, and I made that I felt like Chief Davis is the right person at the right time. And my, and my, my, and my commitment has not wavered. But what I also understand is that there are those that have doubts. And I understand and respect that. Chief Davis understands and respect that. We had a very candid conversation about this. And she agreed that serving in an interim capacity was fine with her. Because what we're committed to doing is showing and proving. We want to show and prove to our community. Because above all, we all want the same thing. Everybody in this room wants the same thing. We all want a safer city. Amen. We all agree that where we are right now is untenable. 398 homicides. 398 homicides. I agree. Okay, girl, sit down. 398 homicides. And the reason I'm saying that is because I watched it, and this is not just a concerned citizen about crime. She had a photo of a couple people that they say are victims of our police officers, and they want the whole entire police department disbanded. So, girl, please. But, I mean, show and prove. What is this, show and tell? I mean... (laughs) 
okay, we've been patient with the police chief now. She's been here, what, three years? And crime has only gotten worse. She actually started her job when I started my job. Who's been more effective, Ben or CJ? Don't answer that. (laughs) I'm definitely not getting paid $280,000 a year. I can tell you that right now. But maybe I will. Maybe my boss is listening and he'll he'll say, yes, Ben has been more effective than the police chief of Memphis, Tennessee, and therefore we will start paying him as if he was the effective police chief, $280,000. That might be wishful thinking, but, you know, I'm a dreamer. All right, going to take a break. On the other side, Fox News contributor Liz Peek is going to be joining the show. This says former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley declared Tuesday night that the Republican presidential race was, quote, far from over. Despite losing massively. These people are all delusional. We'll have that story on the other side. Don't go away. Your home for award-winning political news coverage in Memphis. The Mighty 990 AM and 107.9 FM. KWAM. This is the Mid-South's Conservative Blowtorch, the Mighty 990 KWAM. And uh, today, I have to tell you, it was very interesting because I said, wow, what a great victory. But then somebody ran up to the stage all dressed up nicely (laughs) when it was at 7. But now I just walked up and it's at 14. She ran up when it was seven. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around, I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. The Granite State handing a rock-solid win for Donald Trump. His core support group came out for him in New Hampshire, handing a decisive loss to one of his only rivals, really, Republican nomination, uh, the Republican nomination process, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Here to break down last night's election results, Fox News contributor and a friend of Wake Up Memphis, Liz Peak. Liz, thank you for joining us on this day after analysis. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm fine. Uh, it was an interesting race. And uh, it was, you know, as always, Trump was pretty funny in the way he characterized Nikki Haley. But, you know, look, Nikki Haley outperformed expectations. And I think that's been sort of her theme all along is that I've always been underestimated. We are gradually making progress. It is now just a two person race. Uh, I went to bed and I wrote about it last night when there was still a single digit lead. He ended up better than that, but certainly nothing like the 20, 22 points that the polls had indicated. So, you know, I, I think, look, everyone on the Trump side is yelling at Nikki Haley to get out. Uh, I think they're being a little foolish because Trump to win against Biden cannot rely solely on what you just described as his core support group, which is MAGA Republicans, or however you want to define that, that's a great starting place, but he is going to have to win over some independents and moderates 
uh, of his own party. Nikki Haley can bring those people, but if he continues to demean her and scorn the support of those people, I think that's a mistake. It's a little bit like Joe Biden gratuitously throwing half the country under the bus, which he does all the time. I don't know how he expects to really (laughs) win friends and influence people or really win elections with that kind of approach. So I kind of wish uh, Trump would just be respectful, go on winning, uh, show everybody he can beat Nikki Haley, but let's open the tent here, folks, because otherwise we're not going to win. Let me play some audio to your point of the president, he went after Nikki Haley. And you saw yeah. the different approaches of the speech. Nikki Haley did go after the former president. She started yeah. with congratulating him. But Trump was having a heyday. And he used one of her appointees, Senator Tim Scott, out of South Carolina to do it. Take a listen. Cut 10. Did you ever think that she actually appointed you, Tim? <laughs> and think of it. Appointed and you're the senator of his state. And... She endorsed me. You must really hate her. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh-oh. I just love you. No, that's, that's why he's a great politician. All right, so all jokes, and, and it is nasty, Liz. Do you think the two can put their differences aside? I mean, and who knows? Does he pick someone? In the vein of a Nikki Haley, what does the former president need to do to get those suburban moms out in the areas across the country? Well, look, first of all, he has to have, as Nikki Haley has, a nuanced position on abortion. And I know that this really rankles some people, but the reality is that issue is the heart of the Democratic campaign. And Nikki Haley has sort of navigated a lane where she's pro-life, but she gets it that that is not going to be the law of the land. And I think Trump needs to do the same thing. Would I like to see him uh, pick a VP who can do that with him? Yes, I would. And I think, uh, you know, and, and I think we see this every day with Kamala Harris, his pick of a vice president, knowing he only has four years in office, knowing that if he wins, that vice president will be uh, the next up, is incredibly important. He cannot just go blindly with a loyalist, uh, you know, person who is not going to add to his base or mm-hmm. add to his group of support. So yeah. would I like to see Nikki Haley as his running mate? I would. I know that's really anathema to a lot of people, <clears throat> but a lot of people, excuse me, <clears throat> who are derisive of, again, Nikki Haley's appeal to the center, uh, appeal to big business and so forth, what are they thinking? I mean, that those people are influential. They could turn this election. So I don't know that they could ever put their differences behind them, but I would love to see his vice presidential pick be someone in the Nikki Haley mode uh, who can attr- who can broaden his base. That is really the issue here. Yeah, I, well, well said about that. We've got to think big picture. Um, and and move towards the general as quickly as possible. Because on the other side, and you pointed this out, you have the the president of the United States calling 75 million Americans MAGA extremists, which I'm assuming that means insurrectionists. You wrote a great piece, and you guys have got to check it out. You can find it at foxnews.com, thehill.com. But Liz writes... Leave it to Joe Biden to screw up things so badly that even some of his former critics like the CEO of J.P. Morgan are now praising Donald Trump. Want to get your reaction to this audio and cut 22. 
people are growing, they're hungry to grow, they're innovating, it's, it's everywhere, it's not just Silicon Valley, so we've got this great hand, but when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump, and they think they're voting, and they're basically scapegoating them, that you are like him, uh, and, but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values, and if you look, just take a step back, be honest, he's kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration, mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, China ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Mm-hmm. He was right about some of China. I don't. Th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. When he, when he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues, and that's why they're voting for him. And and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you, have, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite and, you know, the Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, but, hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, could we just stop that stuff and actually grow up? And and that was not at CPAC, Liz. That was at Davos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wrote about it. I, I, I was very impressed with that Jamie Dimon had the guts, frankly, yeah. of saying something nice about Donald Trump. But I, I, I said in this piece, and it really is true, the untold story of the Biden administration is how anti-business they are, just like the Obama administration. And business leaders are, frankly, afraid to come out and bash Biden because why? They're, they're giving out hundreds of billions of dollars to businesses and enterprises across the country with this green agenda. So everybody wants to be in the queue for that. And there are reprisals. I've never seen an administration who goes after their critics with such vengeance as Joe Biden. So I think business leaders have been muted by their concerns about that. Uh, But the truth is, when you're trying to break up America's biggest and best companies, which they are through antitrust, when you are ladling on all kinds of regulations on diversity and also uh, energy and climate change and so forth, you're, you're just putting all these companies in boxes and making it very difficult for them. So, you know, uh, one, you know, people speculate one of the reasons the stock market is going up is they see maybe a Trump victory, and Trump was good for business. So it doesn't surprise me that Jamie Dimon came out positively, but it should make some people who just reflexively say, oh, I hate Donald Trump, he's so crazy. I, I had that the other night at dinner. I was like, oh, okay, I don't really want to spend all night arguing, but why is he crazy exactly? Be, why are MAGAs extremists? Because we don't want 8 million people coming into our country with no vetting whatsoever. Wow. Uh, because we don't want government spending so over the top that inflation reaches 9%. Count, or we don't want babies being aborted at nine months. Tell me what's extreme about that, and I'll listen to you. But they haven't, you know, unfortunately, there's this visceral hatred of Donald Trump. But maybe Jamie Dimon and others will begin to say, you know what? Uh, I don't like the way he said it, but he was right. Mm. Fox News contributor Liz Peak, spot on as usual. Go check out her stuff. You can find it on her social media pages. Type in Liz Peak. Foxnews.com has them and The Hill as well. Liz, as always, thanks for dropping by and we'll catch up soon. I hope so. Take care. Thanks for having me. All right. We'd love to hear your thoughts this morning. Who should Trump pick as vice president to broaden the base? And I know that's difficult to hear for some people because right now I feel like we have a make America great again. Hi, America first. Hi. And that's great. We're getting win after win after win. 
but we have to take that on to the general. Right now, I feel like a lot of conservatives are being rather cocky because we keep on beating these America last candidates, which, again, great. The voting block wants people like Trump. I love that win as well. But we cannot be cocky and think we have this in the bag. We need to start improving our election infrastructure because I can tell you right now, if you look at what happened in New Hampshire, they opened it up. Democrats were voting in that primary. They were all voting for Nikki Haley, which tells you a lot about the, f- the former South Carolina governor. But nonetheless, we have to play hardball. If they want to cheat, I'm not saying we cheat, but we play by their rules. And we need to start thinking about that before it's too late. Going to take a break. 901-260-5926. Number again, 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. The Mighty 990 AM and online at Mighty990.com. Win. And welcome back to the morning show. A couple of you guys asking what was the final results of last night. Well, last check before I hopped on the morning show, we had 95% of the vote in in the Granite State. And Trump winning at 54.6% over Nikki Haley with 43.4%. Might find this interesting. Trump had the highest raw vote total of any New Hampshire primary winner. Pretty impressive. And I, I think if not North or if not New Hampshire, she goes to South Carolina. She's not even playing in Nevada. And of course, I'm talking about fourth uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Where does she go from here? Because she is claiming that this race is far from over. We have some of that audio at her, I guess, victory speech. It sounded like a victory speech. No, you lost. But here's what she had to say. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. campaign there were 14 of us running and we were at two percent in the polls well i'm a fighter and i'm scrappy and now we're the last one standing next to donald trump close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. Yeah, you might have gotten nearly half the vote, but you spent $50 million to take down Trump. They also teamed up with thousands of Democrat voters just to get them across the primary to vote for Haley. And yet, despite all of that and their dirty, dirty shenanigans, the never Trump people, the America last people, got crushed. Nikki, 
But it's interesting because not only that, the Babylon Bee were in this headline. They're always great with their parody. Nikki Haley announces she has won the New Hampshire primary by negative 12 points. Now, Laura Ingram over at Fox wrote something interesting. It's a fact, a tidbit that thought was, you know, kind of interesting. Trump not only beat the governor in Iowa, in Iowa, because he did that against Kim Reynolds, who came out and supported Ron DeSantis. He also beat the governor of New Hampshire in New Hampshire. The guy's unstoppable. Bill Haggerty writing this, another huge win for real time Donald Trump. That's his Twitter handle. It's time for all Republicans to rally behind him. Now, you're starting to see that happen. Even the chair of the RNC, Ronna McDaniel, who is no fan of the America First movement. But this was her take on Fox last night. Looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. I think she's run a great campaign. But I do think there is a message that's coming out from the voters, which is very clear. We need to unite around our eventual nominee, which is going to be Donald Trump. And we need to make sure we beat Joe Biden. It is 10 months away till the November election, and we can't wait any longer to put our foot on the gas to beat the worst president, to beat a president that's kept our borders open, allowed fentanyl to pour through, allowed inflation to to go rampant. He is hurting the American people, and we need to do everything we can to unite so that we can defeat him. So why isn't she dropping out of the race? Even RNC chair Ronna McDaniel saying there is no path forward for Nikki Haley. So why is she still in? It's a thought-provoking question. There is no path for Nikki Haley to be the nominee of the Republican uh, presidential nominee. Excuse me. She's being supported and backed by a much, much bigger and dangerous machine. And the radicals over on MSNBC, Joy Reid, who wears the Donald Trump wig, kind of explained and, and said what their plan could ultimately be and why she needs to stay in the race. I want you to take a listen to this. Stuff in Texas. Now, I'm not saying she could actually get it. Yeah. But if you're the donor class that wants Trump gone, you tell her, fuck it out for a few months. I'm going to put some more money in your bank account because if he gets convicted, you do want to have a candidate with or enough delegates to go yeah, actually, that yeah. can be on the floor and have but a floor that's fight why with Donald this isn't too- Did you hear that? She is a Trojan horse for the establishment, for the elites, for this swampy machine that say they do get these indictments against Trump. Well, they already have them, but say he's convicted. What? They try to throw him in jail? Oh, we've got Nikki Haley and she comes riding in on that beautiful dress of that big white horse. Ultimately, this is not only going to hurt the Republican Party, that would hurt America. And is it any wonder that we saw Democrats, actual Democrats voting in last night's primary? To just open it up You want to talk about election interference? That is this. I want you to take a listen. The reporters there on the ground in the Granite State were talking to all of these primary voters. Who are you voting for? Why are you voting for said candidate? Turns out half of Nikki Nikki Haley's supporters were Democrats or independents. I want you to take a listen to this in cut eight. Nikki Haley. And why did you vote for Nikki Haley? Uh, It's a vote against Trump. Uh, I think it would be better to have her against Biden in the uh, elections than it would be Trump and her. Do you consider yourself generally independent, Republican, or Democrat? Uh, Democrat. So when you undeclared, you voted for Nikki Haley. If it was Nikki Haley against Joe Biden in a general election, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. 
Why why is that kid voting in that primary? I mean, I don't get to vote for Democrats. <laughs> and just walk in there and all of a sudden I swap the R with a D and I can vote to try to stop that. That is election interference. And it was difficult for the mainstream media to not all but say that because they were running these pieces all last night where they were breaking down some of the voting strategies to get Trump from winning. Take a listen. Cut six. Christian, who did you vote for and why? Yes, so thank you. I voted for Nikki Haley, and it was certainly a strategic vote. Um, I think the DNC is fairly resolute in their nomination for Joe Biden. Uh, And while I wouldn't vote for her in a general election, particularly on our differences with uh, climate change solution, a woman's right to bodily autonomy, or uh, incarceration rates, I think a vote for Nikki Haley helps diminish Trump's influence in the RNC and their nomination, but is also a vote towards democracy. And Christian is emblematic of so many conversations that I've had here throughout the day. Uh, uh, so many Democrats, 70% of Nikki Haley voters were not Republicans. Get out of the party. Get out of these primaries. They need to close them. End of conversation. It's not how it works. That is why, again, my challenge to anybody listening this morning, if you are anybody with any say... We've got to start playing hardball in our election infrastructure. You watch what they start doing. I could see them throwing another pandemic at us. They change all of the rules. Then they could say it's not a stolen election, but it is. Yet the silver line to all of this, despite Nikki Haley's dirty shenanigans, them spending millions and millions of dollars to take out former President Trump, the guy won. And decisively. All right, on the other side of the break, our friends over at FCG, Joey Solopec dropping by. You guys hear of the term loud budgeting? Well, it's a hot new money trend, and we're going to have that on the other side. Also, Trump spokeswoman Liz Harrington will be joining us at 835 this morning. It's a must-listen-to show you're not going to want to miss, so don't go away. And not only is it time to wake up Memphis, it is the first morning where you can get out of bed, stretch, and go to your kitchen sink and drink your tap water, which I am very thankful for. This after MLGW lifted its water boil advisory yesterday. Now, they did release a couple different things you need to do when you turn back on your spigots. Basically, if it is brown, yucky water, don't drink that. You want to turn on that faucet, let it run, flush out those pipes until it is clear. Also, I know for me, I have some laundry buildup. That's not new. That doesn't just happen because there's a water bowl. That's just because it's me. But I also, there are dishes in my sink, and we've all kind of been waiting for that water to come back on. They're saying with the laundry, start with your darks first. Don't start with your sheets, your white button-up shirts because they might come out brown or beige or tan. Here's Doug McGowan, WREG reporter Shay Simon, or Shay Arthur, excuse me, ask him about the boil water advisory, why we keep on seeing them here in the area, and here's what he had to say. Take a listen. 14. We also talked about these are historic storms, so every time we get Arctic temperature, should we just expect this to happen? Well, I do want to give some context. We've had three boil water advisories in MLGW's history. 
Those have all been pretty recent, They've right? all been recent in the last two years. So, and that is a, a direct result of the number of water main breaks that we saw. And they've all been very recent in North America. And three of them recently affected the deep south. So uh, it is a function of the weather um, and the impact. And it's also a function, some folks have asked, well, some of the adjacent communities didn't have that. Well, our infrastructure dates back to the 1930s. 1930s. Well, that would explain a lot. So can we get new pipes, new water main systems throughout the city? Well, he kind of explains what the improvements they're taking over at MOGW. Take a listen. We are taking action. We added 12 new wells just in the last four years. We're going to add eight more this coming year to increase our production so that we can overcome some of these challenges. So they are citing the recent polar vortexes that keep on happening in the Mid-South. Maybe we ask Joey Selipek about that in a couple minutes, of course. Our guys over at FCG are going to be dropping by in just a couple minutes to talk about money, but we keep on having polar vortexes. I thought the world was going to combust because of the climate crisis. Again, Memphis stands here to debunk the climate cultists in this country. Meanwhile, the city council tabled a vote to reappoint C.J. Davis. Every seat down at City Hall was packed. You had supporters of the police chief, a lot of friends of hers in the sororities standing there with their signs behind the police. It's very interesting. If you look at the, you could go to YouTube. I watched it last night and catch it live, but I went back and watched the entire city council meeting. It's like a rush to the front. Whose sign will get more play on the cameras? So you've got the decarcerate Memphis, the activists, the Antifa people, and they are calling C.J. Davis racist, which, again, she is a black woman, but that is what these activists tend to do. Everything is about race. And you did have a lot of supporters. So here is the police chief after the decision was made that the city council and the Paul Young administration had reconciled. They had compromised and they were just going to keep her as an interim chief. Take a listen to C.J. Davis addressing the city council. I love this community. And I've served two and a half years from my heart to this community. And I plan to continue to do that. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, but this community is willing to help us get the work done. So um, I'm overwhelmed. Vice Chair City Councilman J.B. Smiley telling reporters that though she is our interim police chief, his concern is not the future of her and her position. Her portfolio, not a concern. It's about public safety in this city. I mean, let me remind you, she does make $280,000 a year. That is a lot of money for someone whose number one job is to keep Memphians safe. Here's what JB had to say in cut number 18. We're at odds, and I think uh, the interim appointment is what the people ask us to do. Whether she can be, will be confirmed in a few months, or whether the council will ultimately decide that it's not working out, it's best for us to part ways, I can't say. But what I can say is, there's the most important issue is not whether Chief Davis will remain in the city of Memphis. The most important issue for everyone, what are we doing to save lives? And you know I don't agree with JB that often, but in this case, I do. What are we doing to save lives? 398 homicides in the year of 2023. We're a small city. That's unacceptable. It really is. Here is Mayor Paul Young. He says he is standing beside his police chief, and he told a couple different reporters yesterday after the vote 
that she will be our police chief, though there is not a timetable on when that next vote will be taken. Until then, she is ours. Cut 15. We're not doing a search right now. She, she is our chief. Um, it's just an interim title on it, but this is our chief. Um, and like I said up there, we're going to show and prove. Uh, we want to get results. Show and prove, show and tell. <laughs> I, I asked that question after the last hour. He kept on saying this liner, which was, we are going to show and prove. Well, let's prove that we can get our crime under control because it is that bad. And it is not, Mr. Mayor, a perception of crime. It is a reality of crime. That was one comment he made to WREG, and I'll read his quote verbatim. We are at a crisis right now, not just the reality of crime, but the perception of crime. My goal is to resolve that chaos. And chaos we heard yesterday in the gallery. Take a listen. Cut 20. Here's the mayor. It's on all of us. So I want all of us to understand. It's not on her. It's on every. Relax. 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 I, I would. I would ask that we we give the mayor an opportunity. It's on all of us to ensure that we're keeping our community safe. Public safety is not just law enforcement. Public safety is all the components. The police can only respond to the crime. We need to be intervening. We need to be preventing crime before it happens. And all of us in this room agree. And so what I want to do is show and prove. That's what we're going to do in this community. And I want to thank you, City Council, for agreeing to partner. Like I said earlier, this is a partnership. We got to do this together. This is a us thing. This is a Memphis thing. We're going to do it together. So what say you this morning? Are you okay that she continues to be our police chief? We threw out a survey yesterday on our Stop Memphis Crime page, and you guys overwhelmingly voted that she needed to go. She needed to be fired. I'll read two comments before we scoot to break. Anita says this. As for Chief Davis, who's really surprised? It is the Memphis City Council after all. Again, referring to them tabling the vote. Chris writes this. Atlanta threw Police Chief C.J. Davis out. She jumps to Memphis. Looks like she finally found a place where the leaders are just as incompetent as she is. Mm, Strong words from Chris. But I would love to hear from you guys. Write down our telephone number. Give us a shout. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. This is the Mid-South's Conservative Blowtorch. The Mighty 990 KWAM. Let's talk money. Let's do it. It's one of my least favorite topics, but one of my favorite segments. Explain how that works. Explain how that works. My guys over at Financial Consulting Group, FCG, Bill Gurner, Senior Portfolio Manager, and Joey Solopek, a registered investment advisor. Guys, why is that the case? Because Dylan and I were talking after you guys were in here last week, and we said, we've learned more from that segment on a topic that we absolutely hate than about any other one. So let's pull you guys in a little bit longer. So maybe it's the bullet points. You break it down mighty well. Well, and we're lovable. <laughs> yeah. Joey's a very nice guy. So is Bill. Yeah, sometimes. Well, I think, too, there's a lot of stress. Like When you talk about your budget, when you look at your bank account, I have this thing where I have to let my sister 
log into my Bank of America account before I do to tell me how bad it is. And she's she is a um, uh, an accountant, so it's right up her lane. <laughs> so she will give me. You can get on your app, and it gives you a pit in your stomach. So a lot of people just don't want to talk finances. No, and you know one of the things we love doing is breaking it down so everybody can understand it. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of people who want to talk way over everybody's head. Uh, you get too much into the industry jargon, and uh, at FCG we believe in kind of communicating it. You know, walking you along with it. Can I ask you something out of left field? Because we discussed topics ahead of the segment, but there was a conversation I had last hour with Fox News contributor Liz Peak, and it got me thinking, and I wanted to throw it at you guys and understand why there seems to be more confidence in the stock market with this current election cycle that we're in right now. And here's what she had to say about the lack of confidence with the current administration. You know, uh, you know, people speculate one of the reasons the stock market's going up is they see maybe a Trump victory, and Trump was good for business. So doesn't surprise me that Jamie Dimon came out positively, but it should make some people who just reflexively say, oh, I hate Donald Trump, he's so crazy. I, I had that the other night at dinner. I was like, oh, okay, I don't really want to spend all night arguing, but why is he crazy exactly? Be, why are MAGA's uh, extremists? Because we don't want 8 million people coming into our country with no vetting whatsoever. Wow. Uh, because we don't want government spending so over the top that inflation reaches 9% count. Or we don't want babies being aborted at nine months. Tell me what's extreme about that, and I'll listen to you. But they haven't, you know, unfortunately, there's this visceral hatred of Donald Trump. But maybe Jamie Dimon and others will begin to say, you know what? Uh, I don't like the way he said it, but he was right. What do you make of that, Bill? Confidence rising with a potential change switch up of the administration. I, I think the market's up because of Trump, because he's ahead in all the polls. And he's going to drill, and we're going to have more oil, and everything evolves around oil. As long as he stays ahead in the polls, you'll you'll see the stock market, I believe, hang in there, because earnings are coming out. Um, the end of last year, and the earnings are coming out good. We have 75 companies reporting earnings this week, uh, S&P 500 companies. So uh, everything evolves around oil. So you keep drilling, and we have a surplus of oil. It's going to help this country. And also, Trump's a proven product. I mean, he's reduced regulations. He's pro-business, cut taxes. That's what this country needs. And she was referring to the CEO of J.P. Morgan, who was at Davos, of all places. This was not CPAC. And he said, listen, we cannot write off Americans that are still supporting former President Donald Trump because there is confidence right now in the market. And I thought, wait, just public sentiment by Americans could actually affect and influence the stock market. Is that is that possible? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. You know, just like with politics, what she just described were emotions. People have this, she said, a visceral emotional reaction, either, you know, strongly for, strongly against Trump or politics. The economy is the same way. Uh, you know, stock investing is largely based on what do we expect to happen in the next six months. So what are our feelings about that? Is it a feeling of hope or is it dread? Do we see things improving and we want to catch that wave or do we see things worsening? And we have had a tough run under this administration, no matter what your politics are. Things have been ugly. You know, there's lots of reasons, but it has been ugly. 
Um, but as we see an election year coming in, and this seems to play true every election year, if the sentiment is, is hope, then people think, okay, we've got better chances at, like Bill said, energy, uh, business, maybe now is the time to pour more money into investments, and then they rise. So emotion Very plays a big role. Very interesting. Well, learn, learn one other quick thing. Morning. I mean, you think about windmills. What do they run off of? Oil. Mm-hmm. Everything evolves around oil. I mean, in these electric cars, and in the, in, when they had the cold weather, they couldn't get them charged. I mean, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Interesting. All right. We just wanted some clarification on that because rarely do I get a political guest weighing in on some finances, politics, combine them two, and ask you guys. So wanted to get your thoughts on that. Another thing that I'm curious to see if you guys have seen. You know, Gen Z has a bad rap right now. We are careless, not just with our dating and not just with some of our relationships. And I'm looking at Dylan over there, uh, but with our money. Well, there's a new trend. I was on TikTok the other day and I saw this thing called loud budgeting. So guys, did you do the research? What is loud budgeting and why are Gen Zers falling for it? This one actually made me smile because so often TikTok tells me depressing things about our future (laughs) and our young people. This was actually encouraging. And so loud budgeting is a trend that's happening now with younger people on TikTok, on social media, Ben, Mm -hmm. where they are posting how they are being humble and frugal with their money because they are going, you know what? All of this wealth and uh, pomp and circumstance I'm seeing on Instagram and TikTok, it's all fake and unobtainable. It's, it's almost like it's an awakening to, okay, every, every post can't be with a money gun and a Lamborghini. I can't do that on my budget. So now I'm going to go in the other direction and, and talk loudly about I'm going to save. I can't go eat out every meal. So this new trend is actually encouraging to me that we might be seeing some type of at least small cultural shift back to reality and away from the smoke and mirror of what social media often does. Which is deceive you. But and it you, is all fake. But Joey, why should an individual budget when the government doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the reality. And you look that's at right. some of these. you look at some of these kids on TikTok. I mean, I see it. They may do a, a beauty haul, and that's where they go to Sephora or Ulta, or they go to their favorite clothing store, and they come back and they lay it out on their bed, and they go, this costs me this much money. What I've seen more recently are kids are now going to secondhand consignment shops, which I did not see this generation doing, mm-hmm. and it goes back to your point. We can't afford the basics in life. Maybe it is time to start budgeting, and we're going to be okay doing it because we're all in it together. Hey, Ben. There used to be a thing called the layaway. Do you do you know what that is? No. That's when you go to the store and you want to buy a TV. You put it in the layaway, and each month you pay on it till you get it paid off, and then you get your TV. But now everything's instant. You get the TV now. You charge it on your credit card, and you pay twenty percent interest. So mm-hmm. it's just a different world we live in. I think I think it might be also part of a much needed correction. It's just like, you know, in the atmosphere. When it gets too hot, too hot, too hot, eventually there's got to be a correction. There's got to be some cold air coming in. I mean, it's just how the, the system works around the planet. What I'm hopeful of is that what we're seeing are the first signs of maybe a mental correction between this, you know, everything I see is on my phone and everybody's doing great and attractive and thin and you're holding your phone up high and it's a great angle and I've got this great. And that's not the truth. People take 800 pictures and choose one. Maybe we're finally starting to see people wake up and go, there's no way for me to finance this 
uh, lifestyle I see the Kardashians living. Yeah. Let me wow. be a little bit more realistic for me. Well, there was a institutional service director with TJM, a guy by the name of James, and he did react to this headline, which is up on Fox Business talking about loud budgeting. And he said, this concept is appealing to the TikTok generation because it is different. And you kind of just mentioned that. He said, there's a certain shock value in people declaring that they are not going to be following the trends of the Kardashians, but will not be splurging on small things or other services. And it could be true. We are very, maybe sometimes too transparent, but it looks like right now we're just opening up about our realities when it comes to our finances. This is a quote I read yesterday. Same thing. The new desire is to be authentic and true and that by rejecting overconsumption and consumer debt, we are empowering ourselves. Loud budgeting is empowering because you're basically admitting, I can't live that fake social media lifestyle that's being projected. And so I'm going to take that power back by saying, let me start being more frugal and saving. Now, how do we get them to start voting differently? <laughs> I'm doing opinion. You guys are not. But that's the frustration thing. I mean, I go out with my friends and they find out what I do for a living. And they go, how can you vote for that side of the aisle? The Republicans. And I go, because I want to go out in two years. Right now, we go out on a Saturday night. You drop $60 just to go to a tin roof. You've got to pay a $20 cover. Like everything is inflated. So where will that change in maybe their voting behaviors? Another big topic is student loan and debt forgiveness. It sounds nice, but it's not happening. It's not happening. They can try that and the administration is doing that. This U.S. Supreme Court came out and said that's unconstitutional. You take out the loans, you're going to pay it back. Right, which it's is, a tough reality for these kids. Listen, and, and I want to hear Bill's thoughts on this as well, but all of this boils down to branding and marketing. Everything you just said, the friends you go out with who have opinions about politics, they have bought into somebody's brand on politics or on Trump or Biden. It's all that, let's boil it down to emotions and branding and marketing. When you dig down enough to vet something or be discerning, Quite often, your opinions change, but we have a we have a population that is dumbing itself down through just reading snippets yeah. of biased headlines. They need more Dieter. Is it true? And I'm going to ignore that. Uh, is it true <laughs> that voting behaviors and patterns change as students get older? These kids grow up a little bit, go into their 30s. Have you seen uh, that? I, th I think it does change. I think as they get into the world and they get a job and they see their taxes and they see what's going on, it certainly has an effect on them. But the schools now, they don't, they teach you what to think, not how to think. Mm -hmm. And you really have to learn to think for yourself and, and not be, these professors uh, try to drill down into these people's brains that it should be this way and it's not yeah. correct. That's a, listen, that's a great line he just said. I've got two in college. And that's true. Largely, even on Southern, which would, you would think would be more conservative universities, mm -hmm. they're teaching you what to think and not how to think. And we've got to correct yeah. that. Yeah. And think critically. And if you're struggling thinking critically, that's okay. That's why you need to call my friends over at FCG. Here's their phone number, 901-309-2680. Now, they're going to assist you with all of your questions. And one that they've gotten multiple times, and I got a listener email about a thing like a 401k or an IRA. 
And if you would like help managing that, because you might wake up one day and realize you have money in somewhere that you could be using and you just forgot about that, want you to give them a call and find that money. And that is over on their website. You can find out more information, fcgtn.com, fcgn.com. One thing, turn your volume up. Whatever you do, Generation Z, W, whatever it is, you need to save something each month. Hook or crook, find a way to do it. <laughs> well said. Couldn't say it better myself. Guys, we got to scoot. More on the other side. Don't go away. Take us wherever you go. Download the KWAM app for Apple or Google Play now. Get it at Mighty990.com to start listening now. The Mighty 990. 1079 FM, 990 AM. KWAM. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis here on KWAM. Let's just jump right into it, because I know a lot of our listeners are America first. Yes, we have some Democrats, but guess what? The Democrats love Donald Trump as well, so let's talk to one of his spokespeople. Liz Harrington joins us on the phone line. Liz, first of all, congratulations. This is like time number two now, Iowa and then New Hampshire. Love to see it. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I think it's so amazing, Ben, that we've had history-making caucus in Iowa. Biggest margin ever. And now we've had, in what should have been never Trump's, you know, <laughs> best shot, we have a history-making primary. But the most... We lost our spokeswoman. We tried to get her back on, but I feel like I know where she was going. Because if you look at the actual stats of that win last night, Trump beat the governor in New Hampshire. He beat the governor in Iowa. I mean, if you look at how decisive that win was, it was for the first time any candidate has won the first two primary states since 1976. And I think that's where our friend Liz was going. Liz, I'll let you finish your thought. Hey, sorry. I don't know what happened there with the call. But uh, yes. okay. so he had the most historic victory ever in Iowa, shattered the record, which was previously 12 points, won by over 30. And then you go to New Hampshire which should have been, you know, they were promising Nikki Haley victory this year. Something with our phone lines. That's all right. We'll get her on another day. And sometimes that happens. We just roll with it, which again, it's technology and we roll with it. We're very flexible on this morning show. So we'll just move on and we'll get Liz Harrington on the show, which I will encourage you guys to actually go to her social media pages because she's posting a lot of this great content on there and just talking about the historic win of yesterday despite again nikki haley claiming that she won she won new hampshire by a negative 12 points that was the headline from the babylon b no nikki you did not win take a listen cut one now you've all heard the chatter among the political class they're falling all over themselves saying this race is over Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. 
point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. And we were at 2% in the polls. Well, I'm a fighter. And I'm scrappy. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. And today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. And in the words of my station owner and nationally syndicated talk show host, Todd Starnes, congratulations to Nikki Haley for winning the New Hampshire Democrat primary tonight because 70% of Nikki Haley voters, Todd, were not actually registered Republicans. What a mess. How is that possible? Well, it's, it's possible because in New Hampshire, independents are allowed to vote in the Republican primary. Now, there was a lot of complaining and, and, and chatter on social media that this was blamed on the Democrats, but a majority of the voters in New Hampshire actually happened to be independent voters. Democrats could vote, and we understand about 6,000 did, but they had to register in October for that to happen. So the Democrats actually had to switch party affiliation to vote. But the bad guys, if you're looking for a bad guy here, are the independent voters, Ben Dieter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, again, if you're talking about just the Republican voters, Nikki Haley, according to exit poll data, got about 20 percent of the Republican vote. This was a massive, massive victory last night for President Trump. Massive in the words of Vivek Ramaswamy. Tonight's win and referring to last night was America first defeating America Last. It was an excellent speech. It was quick, but take a listen. What we saw tonight is America first defeating America last. That's what we saw tonight. Now, the question, Todd, will be how does the Trump campaign move into the general? Because you point out the independence. We do need independence to clinch that win in November. What do we do? Well, no, we actually need Republicans, uh, and and that's going to be the big challenge. Will the Republican Party mm. unite around Donald Trump? And there's a lot of frustration right now um, on the in the within the Trump world, and also within other Republican circles because Nikki Haley did not concede the race. Um, as a result of that, every single dollar that she spent, just like Ron DeSantis, over a hundred billion dollars squandered. All of that money is a, is is fewer dollars being spent targeting mm. Joe Biden. And yeah. so there's a big concern, especially when you look at most state conventions. Now, we're doing good here in Tennessee. But a lot of these Republican state conventions are broke. They don't have any money. The RNC, they are struggling to raise campaign cash. And uh, this is a it's a very difficult situation. The Republican Party is going to be in. Well, let's talk about Ron DeSantis for a second, because Trump references him in the speech last night, because all of these Republican primary contestants, they're not dropping out. And Ron DeSantis, for some reason, is not joining the likes of a Doug Burgum, not joining Senator Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy. But no, he's pouting on the Steve Day show in Iowa. This was so frustrating. Here he is in cut number four. One of the frustrating things with the campaign was, I was the only one that wanted to talk about this. Uh, no one else wanted to talk about COVID. I think there was one question of in all the debates that brought up that brought up COVID. I had to inject it into 
different debates, whether it's Fauci, whether it's accountability, you name it. But this was one of the biggest events in our life. Uh, and yet we had we had one candidate who was president at the start of it. And when he get interviewed, no one would even ask him questions mm-hmm. about it. Uh, and so I think what we're doing is is important. Uh, I think that it, it potentially can can lead to some some reform. Uh, but one of the, you know, the, 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 the regrets I have about kind of what, how 24 is turning out is I don't see at the federal level there being any avenue for COVID accountability. I think that, you know, you're going to have two major candidates that just that just want to pretend like everything was hunky dory. And, and I know in both of those presidents made serious, serious mistakes. And here's the thing. It's not about using it for fodder in a political campaign. It's about ensuring that this never happens to our country ever again. Sore loser Ron DeSantis, and it's a bad look, Todd. Yeah, he's a crybaby, and <laughs> uh, it was, and it's really, it's it's a horrible look. But I think it again goes to the heart of who Ron DeSantis really is, and why he was not connecting with voters out on the campaign trail. Uh, DeSantis needs to be very careful here uh, because he could be ruining his chances at twenty twenty eight if he's going to take you know, another another crack at the, at the presidency. Uh, but it's it's bad form. It's a bad look. And the, the reality is that he got one percent of the vote in New Hampshire. Um, Ron, yeah, Ron DeSantis needs to go back to Florida and, and govern quietly. Um, if he's not going to get on board, you know, Grandmother Starnes back at White Haven of the day had a saying, if you can't say something nice, just hush up. Well said. All right. I want to get your reaction on yesterday's lack of a vote. They tabled it, Todd, and we've got an interim police chief. What what does that mean, and how did you take that? Well, I was kind of concerned by uh, the mayor's uh, positioning. Uh, he talked about the perception of crime in, in Memphis. There's nothing perceived about this crime. It is real, and it is here. And for the mayor to stick his head in the sand and not address that is, is incredibly troubling. I also think the mayor is is playing politics. If the city council uh, does not want Chief Davis, then we need a new police chief. Uh, but beyond that, we've placed polling data out there, and I think the KWAM Stop Memphis Crime Poll is one of the largest in the city. It is. It was overwhelming. I think the last time I checked, only about 2% of, um, of, of our 10,000 members of Stop Memphis Crime actually wanted her to remain on, on the job. So very concerned. I, I'm seeing a lack of leadership right now, but it is still early in the administration that the mayor's making the wrong decisions here. Yeah, I'm looking at some of that polling. 69% of our respondents said she's got to go. Fire the police chief. Only 2% said we've got to keep CJ. And then how about this one? A whopping 29% of our respondents, and I believe it was like 400 people that took this survey, bring in the National Guard. Now, here is CJ responding and and it was a different tone from the police chief she was very thankful that the city council saved her hide take a listen cut 17 i love this community and i've served two and a half years from my heart to this community and i plan to continue to do that there's a lot of work that needs to be done but this community is willing to help us get the work done so um, i'm overwhelmed All right, I'll let you get the last word. Paul Young says we're going to use this period where she is the interim to show and prove. So what do they need to show and what should they prove? 
Well, we've got to see a reduction in crime, and we have not seen a reduction in crime. It really is that simple. Uh, it is we we are on a path for yet another uh, record breaking year already in January. And for them to come out and tout, oh, well, for the past two weeks, we've had <laughs> this uh, massive drop in crime. Yes, it's something called an ice storm. So um, you, we're going to be paying very close attention to City Hall. We want to give the mayor an opportunity to, to get his legs underneath him, but he doesn't have a lot of time. And that's the big concern is that um, this guy sort of came out of nowhere, was backed by a lot of big dollar Republicans, quite frankly, Ben Dieter, we could have a Nikki Haley situation at Memphis City Hall. Oh, wow. Wow. That's an interesting thought. All right, we're going to leave it there because we got to scoot to break. Todd, we'll catch your show at 11, all right? Thanks, Ben. All right, Todd Starnes filling in real quick. I know we had a couple issues with the phone line, but Todd's was strong. So definitely be listening to the national show at 11 to 2 o'clock and definitely watch that N2 show because it's, it's a great show. On the other side of the break, yes, Memphis is frustrated with crime. Another person frustrated is Memphis Tigers coach Penny Hardaway. We have that on the other side. Don't go away. The Mighty 990. 107.9 FM, 990 AM. K-Wham. And welcome back to the morning show. Tomorrow's going to be good because we're pulling in an expert on the backlog of homicide cases. The former district attorney here in Shelby County, Amy Wyrick, is going to be discussing that at 835 this morning or tomorrow morning at 735 tomorrow. Bill Haggerty, this the senator, is going to be dropping by the show and talking about some legislation to stop the influx of immigration, illegal immigration at our southern border. They're changing the country. This is not a racist talking point, by the way. I'm over the whole you can't say the the replacement theory. That's exactly what they're doing. Bill Haggerty has been on that. He joined Todd's show, I believe, on Friday. Listen to the interview. It was fantastic. So we pulled him on our air, and that will be tomorrow at 735. Speaking of district attorney, quick check-in on Steve Morroy. So he holds a big presser yesterday, and he said, listen, it's been a tough year. For us in the prosecutor's office, but we've had some wins and here is what he is highlighting. And this should make you all feel very good about public safety. Three key components. His team has been tackling one refocusing on violent crime. Then the creation of the justice review unit. That is where they basically go after cops, not criminals. They're going after so-called racist and brutal cops because that is issue number one for memphis and our crime problem and maybe last but not least maybe the most important for this prosecutor is the staff diversity no i don't care i don't need a certain quota of black prosecutors versus white prosecutors i want them to be the best dang prosecutors we've ever had in this city we knew this was going to be the case because when he came on our show in 2022 when he was running for the seat against amy wyrick he said the problem in Amy Wyrick's administration, there are too many white people. So we've got to clean that out. It's, it's seriously incredibly racist. Um, speaking of crime, Justin Johnson from Collierville calling in. He's got a report on one. Justin, thanks for joining the morning show. What can you tell us? You know, Ben, I'm pretty, uh, pretty scared and pretty frustrated. Last night, right around the corner from my house in Collierville off uh, Peterson Road, uh, there was a home invasion robbery. A two-man in ski mask, 
Um, they got away from police and fled on 385. They blacked out. Uh, but, you know, right before that, the carjacking of the youth happened right in front of my uh, VFW post. So we see that Memphis crime is here in Collierville. But I'm extremely frustrated because uh, we had an opportunity to have a Republican sheriff and a Republican district attorney, and only 17% showed up to vote. So we have to take responsibility as this uh, crime problem uh, as Republicans because we allowed Democrats to get elected. And what we thought was going to happen is exactly happening is Memphis crime is here in the suburbs. Until we start showing up to vote in the suburbs, I don't see any of this changing. Uh, but right now, you know, I've got a wow. uh, uh, a girlfriend and my whole family is just terrified because, um, you know, you don't want to wake up to a home invasion robbery right around the corner from you. Well, Justin, the the common thought around these parts are that Republicans don't win elections and they would be correct. You cannot win an election and put a Republican in office if Republicans do not vote. And I guess they just look at the, the geography and the political makeup of the state of Tennessee and they see all red. But here in Shelby County, it's all blue. And therefore, we don't vote. But you raise such a great point because the suburbs surrounding Metro Memphis, they're all Republicans. Where are those voters, Justin? Well, where they're at, they're sitting at home. so Complaining. Uh, if, if they want to change anything, we need to start looking towards 2026 when we can actually start changing some of this stuff locally here. Yeah, we've got to have new commissioners because the Republicans, and I would only say there's really one bona fide Republican, that would be Commissioner Amber Mills. They're all, what, term limiting out. So we've got a chance to get this right. Justin, so appreciate the call. All right? All right. Good stuff. All right. If you have a report, you see something in your neighborhood, that's what the morning show does. We get that information. We convey it to the public. All right, Dylan, as promised, Penny Hardaway, he's over it. And he is taking some responsibility for the team. We're talking about the basketball team because they were doing super good, right? The Associated Press had them in the top 10. They slipped out of that. (laughs) They did. We lost two games. Oh, boy. All right. So on his radio show, Penny Hardaway said he's been less aggressive with his team this season than in years past. And he said after the back-to-back losses, there were two of them in the fall from the Associated Press top 10, he said it's going to be no more Mr. Nice Guy. Those were his words. And I've got a quote. We don't have the audio because we don't have time. I've given the team members the first three months off, really, as far as letting guys miss practices because of little knick-knack injuries. We really didn't practice like I usually do. This week is going to be a good week, he adds. But some are saying it might be a little bit too late for the Tigers. What do you make of it? (sighs) Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know why the whole, like, taking it easy on the guys. Why would you do that? You're Penny. If it's working, then fine. But, you know... I don't know. You're a coach. You're supposed to be. And people have their criticisms about Coach Penny Hardaway. They think, you know, he can get the players here, but he can't let them stay. Like, everybody transfers once they get here. But I don't know. We've lost two games this this past week, and now we're facing a, a UAB team that beat the team that we lost to by, like, two like 20 points. I was talking to Grace Baker. She was watching that last game that we lost, and she, she was physically ill. A lot of yeah. people are really sick. It was hard to watch. Yeah. Um, All right, last story, because another promise we make, and we've kept it, is trying to end the show on a good note. Feel good news. And this is right here in Memphis, Tennessee, and our friends over at Buster's Liquors. 
They are friends of our show. They've been on multiple times. Good friend of Earl Farrell, the host of the Afternoon Drive Show. Well, they're hiring the employees that lost their jobs at the gas station right beside Buster's Liquors. If you guys remember, that was the hop-in gas station, the combusted. Now, for those that are unsure of what happened, they said it was something with the electrical wires in there. Caught the building on fire. Well, anyways, there's a lot of displaced employees. So Josh Hammond, the owner of Buster's Liquors and Wine, says those employees over there are like family. Because they, you know, you have that gas station that is right around your workplace. How many times do you go in there? You get to know the clerk. I know mine very well. And if I miss a couple days, they have to ask what I've been up to. And I love the relationship that I have with our friends over across the street. Same thing over at the Hopping Gas Station and the employees over at Buster's Liquor. So anyways, he's giving them all jobs. How about that? You go one day, you're selling cigarettes. The next day, you're selling box wine. <laughs> and that does it for the morning show. All right. As I said, before we go to break, look for our conversation tomorrow. It's going to be really good with Amy Wyrick. She knows something about the district attorney's office and why there is a backlog of homicide cases. So we'll ask her about that. Also, Bill Haggerty, the senator, drops by the show. And then how about this? Got a call on Friday. The Speaker of the House in Tennessee, Cameron Sexton, is going to be live in studio. So we'll have to put on the Brooks Brothers suit for that. That's what we do when the important guys show up. And for you guys as well. Go to our website. Miss a conversation. That's okay. They're all on our podcast page, kwamradio.com, kwamradio.com. Guys, have a great day. We'll see you starting at 7.